Let's start by all joining together in praying. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you are our rock. You are our redeemer. Amen. I don't say it out loud anymore. Whenever there's a home improvement project that I'm starting to take up and get to work at, I am not going to say out loud how long I think it's going to take. Because I've learned I'm a little bit too optimistic about how good I am at doing things and a little bit too optimistic about how many issues are going to pop up. Because if I say an hour, it really means the whole morning. If I say the morning, it's going to be the entire day. And if I say it's just going to be a couple more days, well, then settle in, lean back, don't worry about it, because it's going to be a while before stuff actually gets done. So I've learned not to say it out loud and just be quiet about it. Now, if you want to know, though, yesterday, the painting project that I was working on, only about a half an hour's difference between what I thought and how it actually turned out. Not too bad, right? But even for professionals who know what they're doing, it's a challenge to be sure about something like that. I mean, what can any of us say that we know absolutely for sure? Yeah, last week you remembered you know you got to do your taxes. Change is coming. You know that the one constant in our world is change because this is a world of change, so you can expect that change is going to happen. I haven't been here yet, but I hear that the summers here in Jacksonville are going to get hot and humid and that every day you're going to expect hot and humid weather to come, right? But I mean, what do you know for sure? 100%, with a doubt, Never going to be wrong about it. Certainty is kind of a rare thing among us. But certainty matters. For these people, it's very possible that Peter is writing this from the capital city of Rome when Nero is the emperor over the empire. You know that guy, Nero? Nero, the ruler who decided to kill people for fun. Nero, the guy who probably burned his own city to the ground. Nero was the government over anybody living in the Roman world, which would include Peter, the people near him, and the people he's writing this letter to. I mean, but even citizens. Non-Christians would have been dreaming about the day when a new leader would come and they would have a better future to look forward to. But in those days of chaos and terror, where could people look for certain hope that tomorrow was going to be any better than the last day? I know, though, for the Christians that were alive, I don't think that they would have gotten through this without certain hope in something else. Because while life was bad for citizens, it was way worse for Christians. Because Nero targeted them, 
and attack them and use his power and influence not only just to make life difficult, but he put them to death for fun. That's why God used people like Peter and Peter's message that we heard to relay a message of certain hope no matter what's going on, no matter the life situation, no matter how bad things look. God wants to give you certain hope no matter what. Now the people who are getting this letter in it are described as people who might be different from you. They weren't raised as Christians. Instead, as the good news of Jesus started to spread throughout that old world, they'd heard about it, and they listened. And God worked, and God changed their hearts to be hearts that were holding on to him and his promises. And so they had a new life. But with that new life of belief in Jesus came a new life of challenges. Because now as Christians, they were in the minority. They were the small few in their own families, in their workplaces, in their community. They were the minorities. I don't think you can describe that kind of life as easy. So it's interesting that words that are supposed to be encouragement include words like this. Since you, believers, call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, Live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. Now, God's not talking to them about fear over what's happening in their world and their lives. He's talking about the awe and wonder kind of fear of him and respecting him and his ways for life. It's this perspective that God's ways are better than people's ways That you might be citizens of some earthly empire, but God is above all of it, and you need to be living like that's true. And yet he encourages to live out life in fear. It's not because these people that Peter's writing to are better than the rest of us, and they can actually do more and obey this even better. No, certain hope for them wasn't going to come from doing the best No. Because Peter writes, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. For them, a life filled with certain hope is a life that has been set free from this overemphasis on earthly details. God values that life even more than he valued the life of his own son. So what else matters when you know that? What wouldn't you do to fear and honor your God that was willing to die for you like that? Of course, you're going to want to put him first. At least that is until... Somebody you love gets cancer. The bad kind of cancer. And you have to watch as they go to the hospital and they poison their own bodies and they get weaker and weaker. 
you're ready to live for that God until you hear about what life is like for believers in other parts of the world, in Pakistan, in Ethiopia, now places in East Asia too. Believers who aren't just suffering with a little bit of issues on social media. Believers who have to live like every day might be their last day here because it might actually be their last day here. Suffering for the faith, it brings issues. And God comes first until life gets messy and you realize that the money can't cover all of it or that you don't feel the love that you think you deserve to feel in your relationship anymore. Any suffering in this world forces you to try to look for certain hope somewhere else. But if it's just hope for things in this world, that things are going to get better here, you're never going to know for sure. No. In fact, if it's only hope for things here and now, your life is never going to get close to as good as the life that God wants you to have in certain hope for something that's waiting much later. Because certain hope isn't about the here and now. Your hope is going to come from something better because it's been part of God's plan for you before this world even existed. Did you hear this crazy detail that Peter tells? He, Jesus, was chosen before the creation of the world but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Into this world that's full of change and uncertainty, Jesus lived out a plan of certain hope for you. When Jesus rose on Easter, God revealed that the plan was finished and that a better future actually was coming. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and certain hope are not in things here and now. And not that maybe now things are finally going to get better, that life is going to be good. No, instead, certain hope for you is in God. God makes you new by giving him certain hope in himself. And you know it. He is better. Hope in him isn't a maybe or a might or I hope so. It's absolute. When God says it, it's true. Your sins are forgiven. You have been washed clean in baptism and his name is now your name and you're part of his family. You eat and you drink and Jesus declares to you every time you do this that your sins are forgiven for real. Every time. It's all this certain hope in Jesus that gives you something to hold on to when everything else in this life is so uncertain. It's the certain hope that's going to be looking forward to what's coming next. So be honest. I mean, wouldn't you and I have been doing what those believers were doing on that first Easter Sunday? Did they have any hope left before what we heard? Disappointed, let down, depressed. I bet you could see it on their faces that day. 
Jesus let him down. He's either a liar or a lunatic. They had been ready to reshape their lives for him because they thought that he was the way and now he's dead and gone. The reason that they had hope for a better future wasn't there anymore. So they started on that day back to a life of uncertainty and a life that I'm sure looked like there wasn't much hope. And then Jesus meets him. He tells him that God's word was better than the life they were living. That, in fact, everything that had happened had been explained in the Old Testament, pointing forward to this. He gently scolds them for not trusting in this. And then when he lets them see that he is their risen Savior sitting next to them, the one that they'd been talking with, that moment with Jesus changed everything. They had been so stupid. They had no reason to doubt him. And because he's alive, their future here and into eternity would be so much better. Hope in Jesus is absolutely solid, even like them, even when it's impossible to believe what their eyes were seeing. Hope isn't just a Christian thing, though, is it? It's a human thing. All of us, we want to believe that things are going to get better. We want to see that all of the bad stuff that's going on in life is leading to this better thing that's coming in the end. We want the idea of hope to be concrete and tangible. One of the movies that people rank as maybe the best movie of all time, it's called The Shawshank Redemption, is centered around this concept of certain hope through all of it. After decades together in jail, through some of the worst experiences that human beings can experience, you can hear the voice, Morgan Freeman he reads a letter and thinks back to his friend Andy, another character in the movie, who tells him hope is a good thing. Maybe the best of things and no good thing ever dies. And then you can picture it, right? He gets on the bus. He drives across two countries because he gets out of jail and he meets with his friend at the ocean again. Hope found reality. Since it's decades old, I hope that's not a spoiler for any of you here. Uh, you probably remember the first time that you watched that movie though, right? The twists and the turns in the perfect places. But didn't you like it better the second and third and the fourth time that you watched that movie? I kind of think so because you knew how it was going to end. You knew that hope was going to turn into reality. You could get past all the awfulness that you had to watch and see that they were experiencing because you knew all of it was leading forward to that beach. Brothers and sisters who are in Christ, it's time that you start looking at your life through what the end is going to be like. Because you know where a certain and solid life in Jesus ends, it ends in heaven. The end 
means a perfect place with perfected people all around you, a perfect self, worshiping your perfect Savior, Jesus. You can visualize the end that God has prepared for you there. You know what's coming in the end. So that as you look forward to certain hope becoming a reality, it changes you. It makes you new now. It holds you up here when the details of life are not great. It gives you something bigger and better to help you so that right now you can have the right perspective on this world. Let God keep shaping you as you know the end and then he gives you this certain solid hope to hold on to in whatever reality you're living in today. That's the foundation for us. That's something you can build your life on top of. Because hope in Jesus isn't like hope in anything else. No, Jesus adds a little bit more to the definition of hope. With hope in him, no matter what your life is like, there's certainty. Amen.